So you're a successful guy, half a million dollars a month in your Airbnb business. Why would a landlord give up the security deposit, three months of rents for this opportunity? If you're a landlord, your biggest burns is one is vacancy and turnover. Once it's vacant, it's probably gonna sit in the market for maybe two months, maybe three months. Then you have to pay a commission to a real estate agent. That's another month gone, right? So there's a lot of money involved just for somebody to actually, you know, move out and a new person to move in. When my lease ends after two years, which some have, we just renew again for another two years, another three years. All of those like you know factors that cause you know landlords headaches, I'm basically solving it, solving it for them. It's just delivering value, right? How can I deliver value to the landlord to get them to give me 30 apartments and allow me to Airbnb legally, operationally, no issues whatsoever? Tell me what is one decision that you've made that has made all other decisions in your business easier? I would say something, but the camera's already rolling. I don't necessarily want to sell the business, but I realized if it's built on me, that is a cap and a limitation. So now it's about building systems. Many business owners are managing their own companies. When they could establish their own additional company that's called a management company. Investing in myself so that I can decide in what order I should be doing things. So Hamza, I ask everybody the exact same question to start this thing off, which is you're a successful guy, half a million dollars a month in your Airbnb business, just launched a second company. What is one of the simplest things you've done inside of either of your businesses that has made everything else easier for you? Uh, I'd probably say delegation. Delegation 100%. Uh, and I'm really known on social media for delegating a lot of the things that I have to do for any business overseas in the Philippines. I have now 30 virtual assistants, I like to call them, or just customer service agents that do everything and everything that I that need to get done. If they don't know how to do it, just create SOPs, create Loom videos, create tutorials, and just have them learn how to do it. And that way I never have to spend my time doing that. So now I can just focus my time on income producing tasks. That way I can leverage myself a lot, you know, faster, quicker, and spend time making money. Anytime someone answers me that question, the immediate follow-up question I have is for you to come to that point obviously there had to have been a catalyst, right? So yeah, it's usually yeah. like you were doing the exact opposite for a very long time and then something happened and you're like, I can't fucking do this anymore. So was that your experience as well? Were you like not delegating in the very beginning? Did you ever feel like very bottlenecked at what you were doing because maybe you didn't know about delegation or you didn't know about virtual assistants? Yeah, that's exactly what happened. So when I first started the business, I had about you know five to six properties. I was answering all the messages myself, all the customer service. I still work my nine to five. So I'd be at a restaurant, random call. Hey, I can't get inside. What's the door code? Where's the apartment? How you turn the heat on? I'm like, this is insane. I can't scale a business like this. Hiring somebody locally is going to cost $60,000, $70,000 to be a customer service agent right after everything. That has to be a cheaper option. Try virtual assistants in India. Try them in from Pakistan. Try them, you know, basically a couple places, third world. Philippines ended up being the best. I found out that Airbnb themselves, they actually hire uh, third-party uh, staffing agencies in the Philippines specifically for all of Airbnb all over worldwide. So I tried to find ex-Airbnb employees. What happened was when COVID was ending, was when I was starting, um, they basically told everybody to come back to the office. And a lot of these people did not want to go back to the office. So I tried to find specifically people who are level two case managers and above that had already two, three years of Airbnb experience. So there wasn't really a huge learning curve per se to you know get integrated with my business because now instead of working for Airbnb, they're working for the host. And where were, uh, I love that idea. How were you trying to find, like what was your qualification or hiring process to see people that had the previous Airbnb experience? So there's a few questions you can ask them. Uh, the main thing was where you're going to find them. Uh, so specifically, I went on onlinejobs.ph. 
Uh, and then specifically, you can type an Airbnb on there on the search term, and it'll tell they'll tell you exactly if they worked at Airbnb before. Then it, you you'll see you want to interview them. You're going to ask some certain scenario questions because a lot of the stuff is administrative. That's actually very easy to handle. But you want someone who's quick on their feet who can think for themselves, right? So you ask, ask you have to ask him like crazy, crazy scenarios. And I always ask him like, what would you do if a guest uh, called and said, there's a, the water is leaking from the roof, the entire bed is flooded, or what would you do if a guest came inside and everything was robbed, or what would you do if uh, you know heard gunshots outside, how would you address that? That's some of the most crazy, insane questions. Obviously, there's no right answer, but I want to see their thinking process behind you know what they would say in that situation. I love that uh, a lot. That, that makes a lot of sense, and I'm sure you probably even use that when you're not hiring virtual assistants as well. That's, that's a great piece of advice just for hiring in general. Now, when it comes to uh, the, the hiring and the delegation of the virtual assistants, I remember when I first did it, I had just read the four-hour work week. I was yeah. living in Columbia, and I was like, oh my God, I gotta, like, I have to do this. And I started creating SOPs. I hired my first virtual assistant, and it was like heroin. Once I, once I started yeah, delegating I stuff out, I was like, Oh my God, I, I I can actually enjoy my life. Yeah, like 100%. life is like not me working yeah. 14, 15 hour yeah. days. And then I lived in South America. I went to Europe and I started like really enjoying life. And I I was like going for my mom's birthday. I was like, hey, find my mom a bike. She went to Facebook yeah, Marketplace, yeah, yeah. found her a bike. So like, what was that 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 life like for you? Because it, it's so funny to me when people still are running their entire business it by themselves. Everything. It changed everything. Yeah. So what was that like first few weeks, first few months when you yeah, started yeah. making that delegation? The first the first few weeks and what happened was there had to create processes, right? There was no like, there was no trail mark of how something had to get done. So anytime we were onboarding a new property, onboarding a new listing, um, set everything up, the correct settings, uh, connected to price labs, our dynamic revenue software, uh, the order of the pictures, the titles, the descriptions, importing it to Guesty, our PMS software, it's like sending the automated cleaning schedules to the cleaners, like all that had to be documented. So I literally took an entire day uh, just basically writing down every single thing that had to get done. Then I spent this what were you writing it down in? What were you what just were writing you on a piece of paper? Just, oh wow, just literally a piece of paper. paper. Oh wow, and like just making sure like whatever thing that I'm doing right now, I just need to write it down and then create a process behind it. I use Monday.com, create up a whole like you know project management board. Uh, anytime a new VA gets onboarded, anytime they have to look up a property, a customer calls, they know what city it's in, uh, what the unit number is, apartment number, where the garbage is located, where the heat is located, anything and everything you need about that property, it's on Monday.com now. Uh, then they have a separate folder for every single Loom video, Google Drive video on different processes on how things have to get done, uh, what to do if you know a couch breaks, what to do if this happens, what to do if police are called, what to do if there's a party thrown, who do you call in every city, who's the main point of contact. That way, like, there's not a lot of guesswork. Or no one's really lost. Everything's in front of you. So you can just figure out what needs to get done without calling me or calling someone higher up. Then in the first few weeks after that was done, uh, everything was smooth for the first about eight months. Up until I got to the 100 property mark, that's when everything started falling apart. The whole company pretty much broke, I think around like May. Where like, because I added on so much more inventory and expanded really quickly, the back-end operations were not like up to par. What I was doing before was how I was hiring a generalist for everything. And I realized that's not, I can't do that anymore. I'm at 100 plus units now. I have to hire a specialist for everything. So just a specific VA for case resolutions. Because we have 100 or 200 properties, right? You're, you're going to average about two to three incidents every single day in terms of damage. So it takes about you know an hour to two hours to do each properly to make sure you get paid out. I had to make sure I hired someone specifically for that role. Then I someone a VA, you know, specifically for uh, importing listings, setting up listings. Then somebody for every single specific part. Once I did that and hired more VAs and basically you know created a hierarchical structure, it went so much more smoother, ten times faster. 
And I realized I should have done this from the beginning. I should have planned it from the beginning, but I didn't know now, you know, until I got the situation. Yeah, and plus, like like you said yourself, it's like you never would have known that in the very beginning. Course, I mean, yeah. shit, you were doing it without VAs or any help yeah. in the very beginning. So, uh, and I, it's so funny, you nailed it because the next follow-up question to me was like, Okay, do you have one VA doing everything, or do you uh, have them like almost like Henry Ford, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, like a, a factory assembly line? It sounds like that was a transition that you made. And how many VAs do you have? Thirty working? now. Thirty now. Okay. And so, like, walk me through the hierarchical structure. So, obviously, you're at the top. Is there one VA that manages everybody, or do you have like a department yeah, so for like every, case management? Every is city that? is uh, dedicated to a different team. Okay. So with Airbnb, you have to have customer service basically from morning to night because anything yeah. can happen, right? Sometimes guests check in at you know two in the morning. You have somebody on shift for that. Uh, and you have to th think about it like this in terms of the days as well. So m Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday is pretty dead. Not a lot of, you know, uh, customer questions. Friday when a bunch of people are checking in, Sunday when everyone's checking out, that's when the bulk of your volume of, you know, customer inquiries and general volume of, you know, information needs to be given out comes from. So let's say I'm at the top, then you have five different cities. Right now I'm in Philadelphia, Des Moines, Detroit, Austin, Dallas. For now, so let's say five cities, uh, and you have a team of four basically in every single city. We're working day shift and night shift. So during the morning shift is from 8 a.m. until 4 p.m. You have two VAs working, you know, back to back. Uh, then at the afternoon shift starts at 3 p.m. all the way up to midnight. Uh, they have a one-hour overlap. So on Monday.com, the morning shift, when they're leaving for the day, they're handoff. They're writing down every single thing that took place in the morning. And then the afternoon shift knows what to expect. So if a guest called and said, hey, I'm going to be three hours late, or, uh, you know, for example, in one specific city, they'll write that down saying, hey, this guest going to be three hours late, just, let, just you know, letting you know uh, in case you know, anything happens. They'll write all that down. That way the afternoon shift knows what's happening. Then overnight, you have one VA who's just, you know, on call. He's basically there in case, you know, anything needs to get done. And he just runs the whole night shift. So in total, you have a specific team of five per city. And I think right now I'm about capped out. And for example, Detroit's my biggest market. I have about 92, 93 uh, Airbnbs. Detroit, and that's a team of five still handling 95 or 92, whatever it is. So I think I'm pretty much capping out at that mark. I'm probably going to have to hire two more because the volume now is getting really large. So I might have to split that city up into 50 and 50 and then work back up to 100 again. I feel like the maximum amount that a team of five, a good team of five can handle is about 100. That's so interesting. And how many hours a day is each VA working roughly? So from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. and then from 4 p.m. to 12 uh, that's about eight hours a day. They're working six days a week. They get only one day off. Okay. And uh, I, this is super helpful because like even people that are listening to this that don't have the, an Airbnb business or Airbnb yeah. arbitrage, it's really, really great to kind of talk about systems and process of hiring people. And so it sounds like you have a good bit of, uh, of it streamlined and delegated. Where do you find you spending your own time? We'll talk about the education stuff here yeah. in a minute, but like in the actual Airbnb business, is it in the, you know, the finding of the properties, that arbitrage side there? Or like where, where are you finding it's that? the land Landlord negotiations. Okay. That is like the part where I physically fly out. I pay people out to lunch, talk to these developers, landlords, apartment building owners, and I have to actually like pitch the business model myself and talk to them, my credibility, you know, just proving to them like, you know, I am who I am. Uh, I'm leasing 30 apartments. I'm not going to default the next month or whatnot, right? It's a big concern for a lot of these people. So that is something where like I can't pass off to VA, where it's a human to human interaction, human to human, like you have to talk to somebody and convince them. Because at the end of the day, real estate is very, you know, personal. Yeah. So you, a lot of these landlords are all old school, 50 year old, 60 year old guys. So, you know, they need to t see you in person, talk to you in person. You got to wine them, dine them a little bit. And then that's something I'm still doing to this day when I'm flying out to does, city. How much does one of those Airbnbs net you either monthly or, or annually? So my pro uh, business model is all volume, right? So a lot of people do houses, some people do apartments. Uh, on average, a house 
one house is equal to about three apartments. You'll make about three times as much as a house with an apartment. But to scale apartments is a lot quicker and faster and easier. So I can find a landlord with 30 vacant apartments. I can't find a landlord with 30 houses vacant, right? So for example, like right now I'm working on a deal for a new construction building in a specific city. Uh, and I want to rent out 35 apartments in that brand new uh, building, two entire floors. On average, every single apartment is going to net profit after all expenses, uh, cleaning fees, utilities, rent, uh, management, everything. It's going to net me about $1,250 up to $1,600, depending on if it's a one-bedroom or two-bedroom. So if you do the math, 30 apartments times you know $1,500 a month and net profit on average, whatever that is, that's how much profit I'll make just from that one, you know, deal alone. And what is the uh, and what is the average like number of months that somebody stays with you for this? It can be anywhere from one night, two nights, three nights. Four no, nights. I meant like uh, how long do you have that relationship with that landlord? So these leases are all I'm negotiating. They're all a minimum of two year leases. Okay. So every single one of these is like minimum somewhere around uh, twenty thousand dollars, like twenty two thousand dollars for you if it's twelve hundred dollars. Uh, a month, 12 months times two? Yep, about okay. 24K. So Sometimes I mean, it's more if it's a two-bedroom. We'll make, like, for example, in the summer, I had units that were making $5,000 in profit, right? In October, uh, for F1 uh, in Austin, I had one bedroom with the rents, $1,800. They made $5,500, $6,000 in profit, right? Oh, my gosh. In December, they're probably, in January and February, the three months are the slowest of the entire year. They're going to make $500, $600 in profit. So when you annualize it throughout the year, it ends up being around $1,500 in net profit per unit. So is the goal then, I know we talked a little bit earlier before we got on camera here about maybe the COO role, but like basically based on what you're telling me here, it might even make sense for you to find just like a salesperson in each of those cities and have them go out. Cause I mean, at a ticket price of 20 grand, you could give them 10% of that over the two years yeah, yeah. and still I've do well. I've, I've done that already too. Okay. So like yeah. walk me through that. What's the sales process the look like? The problem is that I don't have that much capital because they can go find 10 different apartment building owners with 20 apartments each. I don't have capital furniture 200 at one time got it it costs on average now because of inflation furniture has increased in price on average it's costing me about i'd say six thousand dollars all in with labor photography staging furniture setup for one apartment wow so 10 apartments is going to cost sixty thousand dollars if you're making 1250 in profit how long does it take then to get your money back right yeah. about six months six and a half let's say seven months right what i do and how i've been able to scale so quickly is rent concessions so like just in the last 70 units I had alone from the last year, I negotiated two months free in rent concessions. So I didn't pay any rent for the first two months. So my cash and cash return was delivered to me a lot quicker rather than taking seven months. It took only maybe two months, two and a half months to get all that money back and then you know recycle and rinse and repeat essentially. So the biggest bottleneck right now for scale is just capital? It's capital, but it's also labor as well, right? So as you're adding on more properties, as you're adding more units, then you have to build the back infrastructure. Everything's built, and you have to hire more VAs. Now you got to hire a team supervisor. Now you got to hire more people. So everything's being done, but just not, you know, crazy 100 properties every month. Right now, I'm, I'm averaging about, I'd say, 15 to 20. But at the same time as well, I'm not taking every deal that's thrown at me because right now, especially over the next 90 days, it's slow season. So I am just trying to get the best deals I possibly can. Landlords are offering, you know, Two weeks free, four weeks free, not even looking at it. I'm asking for three months free, two and a half months free, no security deposits. Security deposits is a big thing too. You make sure you want to make sure you pay nothing in security deposits. Because if your lease is two, three years long, imagine renting 10 apartments. Do you want to have you know all that money sitting there for the next two years? It's a big waste of capital. So because right now I have the leverage where I'm in the position to you know help these landlords fill their vacancy. Obviously, not in Miami or in Florida or whatnot, <laughs> but all over the East Coast. I have the ability, you know, to ask for what I want. So I'm not taking every deal given to me. I'm making sure I get the best terms, the best, you know, the leases structured possible. 
to save the most money as much as so possible. So why would somebody, right? And maybe it's because I'm in Miami and it's like, yeah. you know, my rent has doubled here since yep. I moved in two years ago. Like, so why would a rent, uh, why would a landlord give up uh, the security deposit, all safety, almost, like let's say three months of rents for this opportunity? Like what percentage are they getting? Like what, why is it they such an anything. upside for them? They just get the regular rent. For, so you have to think about like from a landlord's perspective, right? So if you're a landlord, your biggest um, things that cause you to drain money and lose money uh, your biggest burns is one is vacancy and turnover. After somebody you know moves out, there's a lot of go that goes involved in turning the apartment over. That's going to cost a landlord money. Then once it's vacant, it's probably going to sit in the market for maybe two months, maybe three months. Then they have to pay a commission to a real estate agent. That's another month gone, right? So there's a lot of money involved just for somebody to actually you know move out and a new person to move in. When my lease ends after two years, which some have. We just renew again for another two years, another three years. I'm your last tenant. I will never move out. You will never have any issues with me, right? A lot of people, they don't even pay rent during COVID. So a lot of landlords were scared. With me, that's not an issue. All of those like, you know, factors that cause you know, landlords headaches, I'm basically solving it, solving it for them. So they have no issue giving me three months free because they would have stayed vacant for the next three months anyways. They would have given a month away to a real estate agent commission anyways. So rather have me take 20, 30 off their hands, that's 30 less tenants to worry about, 30 less headaches to deal with, right? 30 less people calling them every single month. So it just makes your life a lot easier. It's just delivering value, right? How can I deliver value to the landlord to, be, to get them to give me 30 apartments and allow me to Airbnb legally, operationally, no issues whatsoever. Yeah, man, I love that. It sounds like you're pitching me on it right now. Like I should give you my <laughs> place. I love that. Um, I want to transition a little bit now and start talking about some of the education side, right? So obviously you've crushed it, uh, 200 units on the Airbnb side. Arbitrage, meaning you're not buying it yourself, which is also really awesome. Around half a million dollars a month coming in, all very systemized. How did you get in? So, you know, we deal with and work with e-learning businesses all the time, right? And it's a huge, huge growing industry. How did you get introduced to the e-learning education yeah, kind yeah. of coaching program world? Like what was that first, you know, because because a lot of the constraints and bottlenecks you're talking about right now, of course, as you're realizing, you don't have that in this e-learning uh, area. So how did you first get introduced to that? Okay, so it's crazy because... I used to think anytime I see an ad on YouTube and an ad on Instagram for a course, immediately my head, scam, scam yeah. right away. Immediately scam, everyone's scam. Everything <laughs> everything on the internet is a scam, okay? When I basically started uh, social media, I just did it for fun. I just wanted to document the journey, right? And slowly, I was just documenting and videos were going viral. Just me literally like, you know, with 10, 20 mattresses, 15 sofas, back of a U-Haul, literally just the grind. And I was just documenting the journey and posting on Instagram, posting on TikTok, and that's basically it. And slowly over time, I got, you know, I probably say like 15K followers, 10K followers after a solid, you know, a few months. Then in January of this year is when it actually started. I saw a bunch of people in the Airbnb space that were selling courses, selling mentorships, selling all this stuff. And I knew who they were. I'm like, dude, you have like one-fifth of the business I have. Maybe even a tenth. Everything they're saying is wrong, like completely wrong. They don't know what they're talking about. Like, why don't I just do the same thing, right? And I was curious. Are people even buying this stuff anyways? So I literally post some Instagram story. I'm like, hey, guys, I'm going to teach you guys everything you need to know in literally seven hours. I'll have a live masterclass literally on a Sunday. I was going to Dubai, actually, for vacation the next week. So I told myself, you know what? I'll make a thousand bucks. If I can get four people to sign up, they'll pay for my wife and I's flights, okay? And it'll be worth it. I literally posted my story within literally, and it, all I literally said was, message me, your, message me your name, and this is my Zelle, let me know when you sent it. I swear to God, within an hour and a half, two hours, 28 grand, right away, 20 people signed up. I'm like, holy shit. And the next day, I'm like, all right, guys, uh, I got five spots left. Let me see, you know, if you guys are interested, let me know, a thousand bucks, another like 10 grand. Oh my God. I'm like, all right, cool. Sunday, I do the seven hour masterclass, I recorded the whole thing. 
Uh, and then, uh, you know, that was a quick 38,000. And I posted on my story. Wait, 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 real, real quick, that was 38,000? 38,000, yeah. So I just want to, I just for context, because I think it's pretty funny, $38,000. Previously, after two years, you made roughly twenty four grand in profit. And here you are, you so made I, it so in. So this is in January of this year. So that's the year of starting Airbnb. So, oh, okay. Wow. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, after so, one year of starting Airbnb. So even so, even uh, you're doing uh, in a month, you're making twelve hundred dollars. I made about a uh, hundred thousand that month in December. So and, and revenue, my profit right now was about thirty five k. And then here you are posting on your phone, and like within forty eight hours, you Later made thirty eight grand, pure profit. I, as the Zells were coming in, I was looking at my wife. I'm like, "What's going on?" <laughs> I literally was so shocked. It was the crazy part. The very next day. Uh, I literally posted on my story. Hey guys, I recorded that Zoom for everyone couldn't attend it. Let me know if you guys want to buy it. Eight hundred bucks. I send you the Google Drive link. Twenty grand, literally within the same day. I'm like, what the heck's happening? So literally at that point, everything and like my mind just changed. I'm like, all right, I need to actually like this is money I'm leaving off the table. I have a real business that a lot of you guys don't have. And I'm actually making real money. And I'm doing a real behind the scenes. I'm not you know capping about a single thing. I need to actually like you know dive deep into this. So. The very next month of February, I didn't really post anything because I was on vacation the whole time. I was in Dubai for a whole month. So there wasn't like any Airbnb stuff going on, but I was just learning. I was watching uh, Alex Ramosi videos. I found you. I found a bunch of other guys. I read $100 million, $100 million offers. I just, just kept trying to absorb as much content as I possibly could. When I came back in, uh, what was it, March I came back in, I'm like, all right, I need to actually dive like deep into this and see how I can do. Then I just started posting more TikToks and I started posting on Instagram. I think that month I made like 63,000, but I didn't even have a course or anything. I just had a Google Drive link. Anyone who wanted to buy, I'm like, yeah, so this is like the whole thing. It's the Google Drive, man. Here you go. Here's all the documents you need. How Here's long the, was the Google Drive? The, the about seven hours. That was the whole Zoom, seven you hours. You did the Zoom. entire thing one for sitting, seven yeah, hours? Yeah, one Oh my God. Yeah, one, one straight up seven hours of me talking. Did you get positive feedback once you were done of people like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, Everyone awesome. was like, this is like, there was no filler, no bullshit, no motivational talk, no nothing. It was just seven hours exact sharing my screen and just going deep into everything. So a lot of people, I guess they liked it. Yeah. But anyways, uh, that March month, I think I made like 63K. It was like, cool. I'm like, wow, you know, I'm making money now finally uh, after I came back from vacation. And it's just a Google Drive link. I didn't have a pan processor, no nothing. I'm like, yeah, I do, just sell me. Uh, some people were like, can I pay half now, half later? I'm like, yeah, no problem. I wasn't keeping track of it. <laughs> like, it was like, you know, that's literally how what it was, right? And then um, what happened? May, okay. And then May, I think I made only 25K. I think April, I made like 50. May, I made like 25K. Uh, May, I was just like really busy with the actual business. That's when the business fell apart. I had fires in every city. I needed to hire more VAs. I was just like extremely focused and just working on the business basically. June is when I went like full like FOMO mode where I started getting the hang of social media and I started just documenting even more and even more and started, you know, upgrading my camera equipment. I finally bought, you know, a Yeti microphone. I finally <laughs> bought a normal camera. I got a 13 Pro Max before I was using like 11 or something and the quality went a lot higher. So in June, I made my first $100,000 and just straight course money. And that was... I think, and then I started, and I started using Shopify, started nice. accepting credit cards, you know, instead of Zelle's anymore. <laughs> uh, and that was it. There was no like, and by the way, this is all without booking a single call. I didn't know what book a call meant. I don't know what that was, right? I don't have time to talk to anybody. There's literally a link in my bio. Hey, if you guys are interested, buy. Here's a link in my bio. That's it. At that point, I think I was charging, I think still 1200 bucks or maybe 1500 bucks. Then July is when things went crazy. J July, I went on vacation for six weeks to Europe, right? Because I, what I do is I work hard during the year, then to probably take two big vacations. I was in Europe, traveling all over Europe for six weeks. Went to Turkey, went to Europe, you know, all over Europe. That month, I made $320,000 in core sales. Again, I, there's no closures, no setters. I don't, even know what that, I don't even know what those words meant. I don't know what that is. There was no book of call. Didn't know what that was. Just literally click the link in my bio. And I was literally posting stories of me 
on yachts, on boats, the Mulfee Coast. And I was just literally talking about Airbnb and stuff while I was, you know, like on a boat. 320 something thousand. Then uh, August came, 280. Uh, September came, 200 something. This is like insane numbers. This is all profit, by the way. Never an ad. I don't know anything about Facebook ads. I don't know anything about ads whatsoever. I have no idea how they work. Literally all organic. And then I think in September, when I finally f hired a setter and a closer, started following you and a couple other guys more in depth. And like, what's a setter? Like, what do they do? I'm like, oh, I don't have to go through my DMs anymore. Uh, what's a closer? Oh, someone actually can like talk to someone uh, on my behalf. And I started researching the closure and setters. I'm like, all right, I'll try it out. So I, you know, I hired a closure and a setter, two closure and two setters, like maybe a month ago. Um, yeah, and that's basically it, dude. Still, even to this date, I don't know what ads are. I don't know how to run them. But I'm just all organic, just documenting the journey, documenting the life, and just pumping out content. That's all I do now. So November, I made like 320K, I think it was. It's just it's just crazy numbers, dude. Like I'm averaging about 200 to 300K a month right now, but I don't have any like, I don't have any systems like I have in any business in this. Sure. It's literally just like, I, mean, I think I have like maybe one CRM and two setters, two closers, and a Google Sheet just keeping track of people who are buying. And that's basically it. The reason why I think it's doing really well is because of the actual like results itself, right? Because I have so many testimonials and so many testimonials of like people quitting their nine to fives, starting to make 10, 20, 30K a month, 50K a month. That's when like I realized people are actually not really caring about all that. They like see the actual value in what they're buying. So over time, I increased the price as well. Now I have three different offers all the way from 4K to 8K to 20,000. The twenty thousand offer, I've sold it five times now. Nice, and literally, and it only took a twenty, took a fifteen minute phone call, and that's all. That's all it really took, really. Uh, I don't have to pitch anybody because they've been following me for the last six, four months, right? So I realized I'm like, maybe I should be charging more because now I'm in Business Insider twice, fully uh, verified. When you're on Business Insider, they look at your tax returns, your PLs, your bank statements. So. That's uh, so a huge verification that helped me and helped a lot of people be more comfortable buying what I'm offering. And then I realized, I realized a lot of people in the group now, a lot of my students are making 50K, 100K a month now. Like, damn, they only paid a thousand bucks. Maybe I should have charged more. So I realized like because of, you know, where my like where I am in the industry, I my prices are low. I should probably be charging higher because people I'm now I'm seeing are making 50, 60, 80K a month. They only paid me a thousand dollars for the information. And what's what's how did the product actually transition? Like, so is it still that Zoom no, link? No, no, or, it changed. Yeah, yeah. I've added more. I've uh, imported all the Kajabi. Okay. I've uh, re-recorded some modules, and I updated it like all the time. When Airbnb releases a new feature, Airbnb releases new you know uh, things to the algorithm. I just jump and make videos about it right away. Pricing uh, strategies. So as we're going to slow season, how to manage your dynamic pricing software properly. How to adjust your settings to get bookings through slow season. I'm updating it all the time. So. Now I'm coming out with a version 3.0 where it's going to be like 4K, high quality production, just like seven hours of all that content, plus more stuff in depth that a lot of people didn't, I didn't talk about. So tax planning, taxation, uh, more in depth into VAs, more in depth into some stuff that I've hidden for a while. So just even more value, more in depth stuff. So because I realized I'm like, there really isn't a lot of verified people out there that are running a big arbitrage business that have done it properly. And because of those, the, the quality is the quantity is very few. I know I can charge a lot more, and the sales just keep coming because. And the thing is, like, I'm not even finding them. People just find me through TikTok, finding me through Instagram. Like my Instagram blew from like I think 20k followers to like 130 something in like six months of just posting content basically. And it's just literally there's no like there's no professional. It's just me and my phone going on CapCut, adding some captions. Uh, song by Drake and posting it and got like a million views. Just random things like that, dude. That I'd be making in my bed at night. I wake up in the morning, 100K views, 20K in course sales. Like two days ago when I was in Austin, I literally posted on my story, 
uh, discount for my uh, discount for the course, one spot only, thirty thousand by the time from five p.m. to eight p.m. It's from one Instagram story. So I feel like my organic reach is really, really like strong. Yeah. And my organic value is very strong. Where I built that trust over time with the audience because I, I even tell them like, guys, yeah, this month's not that great. Because on average, Airbnb businesses, especially with arbitrage, if you're operating at high margin with VAs, you know, and you're cutting costs as much as possible, you should be operating anywhere from thirty-five to forty percent. Everybody else in the industry is operating at 15 to 20. During slow season, my margins drop to like 20%. And I tell everybody I, on public, and I even post my PLs every single month on my Instagram stories for everyone to look at because I'm very, very transparent about my numbers, uh, how much money I've made, how much money I've lost, et cetera. So literally, like I think last month, my profit went down to like 15%, right? So now I post all that and people appreciate it. Like, you know, you're actually being legit about how much money you're actually making. You know, you're sharing your wins and your losses. So I think that's trust is what I've built with the audience. It's definitely helped thus far. Hey guys, really quickly, if you're getting value out of this, please be sure to share it wherever you share things. Share it with your friends, your colleagues, your employees. Share it to somebody that you know needs to hear this message. We put an incredible amount of work into these videos and these episodes for you. And all I ask in return is for simply to share it to somebody else that wants to hear that or needs to hear this message. All right, let's get back to it. Insane journey that you've gone on so far. And like you said, a huge part of it is the fact that you don't, uh, that you focus so much on the products in the beginning. And yeah, once you do that, and I learned that as well, even the hard way in the very beginning, but it's like that sells itself. I'm sure there's people that are sending that to each other and then they're buying it from you as well, which is also really amazing. Um, I, I wanted to touch on for a second, like you touched about it for a minute, the content side. Like, what do you think it is? Is it because you're so authentic? Is it because of your actual expertise in Airbnb? Like, there's a million people out there on TikTok and Instagram that talk about Airbnb. Why is your stuff going so viral? But not just that. Why do you think people are, are buying your stuff on top of that? It's because people can tell the fakes from the reels now I feel like a lot more than before. They can tell if someone actually has a real business versus someone who has, you know, two or three apartments and making themselves seem like they're, you know, they're, something that they're not essentially because at, at the high level of the business there's things that there's stuff that not the average person is going to know if you look right now online a lot of the same people are regurgitating the same information because you can't talk about stuff that you don't know about right this hasn't happened to you yet right when you get to 200 properties right and you have a lot of situational things happening and a lot of you know uh, things in the business that need to be accounted for only i can talk about it because i've done it right and then on top of that just being authentic honestly because i don't share just airbnb i share like my life as well i sort of vlog like my daily stuff like just, you know, like where I'm moving to, just the day in the life, things like that. And people will see that I'm not like some like crazy guy, you know, dressing in like $20,000 clothes and any of that stuff. Just like a normal dude that's making a lot of money. So I just share like literally the behind the scenes of what the day-to-day -day life is like. And I guess like the average person resonates with it because I came from a nine-to-five background. I went to school as an engineer. I worked a nine-to-five for three years. I finally got sick of it, quit, started the business. People resonate with that. They relate to that, right? Being relatable and just being authentic and being true is, I feel like, is very helpful, especially with organic. Because paid is a little bit different, right? You have, you, you, at the end of the day, paid, you have to get the highest ROAS possible, right? You have to book a call. You know, you have to do a lot of selling. With me, like, I literally don't do that. I, I don't know how. That's the thing. If I knew how, I probably would. Like, I don't even know how to do Facebook ads. I, I tried looking into it. It's too complicated. I'll figure it out later. I literally don't know how to this day. So I feel like with just organic, you just have to be, like, a likable person, and you have to be very honest and true. And I feel like people trust you. They'll buy what you're selling. So what are some of the, like, things in the near future here? You talked about, like, so are you going to transition increasing your prices, and then are you going to transition to, like, a call funnel and have people book a call with your closer? Like, what are some of the next moves you want to make 
make because it sounds like you're sitting kind of on a gold mine right now, but it's not as efficient as it could be. It's so not like, at all. It's yeah, very, so what are like, what, what's, what's the future pacing things that you want to be doing? Literally, like from last so from November, for example, I think finished just in the last seven days of November was $120,000. Seven days, 120 grand cash collected, uh, all Zells too. <laughs> <laughs> and, sell, and selling which one of the products? You said there's a 20 Dude, or 4 yeah, and an so 8. Yeah, like, it was a mix from like the 8K to 5K. I think three people bought for set 20K. Got it. It's just a mix basically, right? Uh, and then literally like even 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 now, it's like I don't really have any good like fall like I don't really have any good systems in place where like I'm you know trying to get more customers in some sense. I'm just it's just I'm just yoloing at this point where things are coming to me and I'm just like you know going with the flow essentially. I have built some stuff out like I'm using phone burner as a CRM. I'm using Notion to keep track of everything with the setters and closers. Uh, I have an email list now. I finally learned what Clavio is. So, <laughs> uh, why, why do you think that there was like it's in the Airbnb thing? You were Mister Systems and Delegation, yeah. and here you're kind of flying by the seat of your pants. What do you think is the big difference between because both of those things? I used to think that I'm when I made my first like 50k a month, I'm like, man, this is it. Like, it's never gonna get higher than this. Then I made my first 100k, I'm like, it's never gonna get higher. That's impossible. Then like, I made 200, I'm like, it's never gonna. Get, it'll never get back to this again. Then 300, I'm like, dude, what the heck's happening, right? Because for me, I had an end goal with the Airbnb business. And here's my thing. At the end of the day, the courses and stuff is nice. It's good money, you know, 300, 400k months, but it's not a home run type money, right? It's not the 50 million payout. I'm not gonna get that with this with courses and social media and stuff. I'm gonna get that with the Airbnb business. Right now in this industry, uh, there's certain companies like Sonder, Front Desk, Barsala. Uh, these are big, big rental arbitrage companies that were started by guys just like me. Sonder, the CEO of Sonder, he's actually Canadian himself. He started the business as a student or doing arbitrage with a couple apartments in Montreal. Now that business is on the NASDAQ, it's public, it's public, so it's over a billion dollars, right? Huge player there. So a lot of these bigger companies are buying portfolios like mine at the 400 to 500 unit mark, anywhere from three to five X EBITDA. So let's say my EBITDA right now is about 3 million, right? So let's say $4 million in EBITDA, right? For all my units. Right now, if I were to sell it to them, it'd be worth about $25 million, okay? If they were gonna buy it at that, you know, anywhere from the three to five X EBITDA. But I just started, you know, going really hard on the business, maybe, you know, when I quit my job about a year ago. If I work really hard on the business for the next two years and increase the unit count from 200, let's say, to 500 units, if you do the math, right, 500 units, let's say, because uh, as you get bigger, you have to hire more as well. So let's say, you know, my profit goes down. Instead of 1250 units, let's say $1,000 a unit, right? Let's just say 1000 bucks. Let's say, you know, uh, ends up being uh, 500 units times $1,000 in net profit per unit. That's about $500,000 per month in net profit. Times about a year, it's about six million dollars in EBITDA. Uh, it could be worth anywhere, honestly, from thirty million to fifty million dollars if I were to sell it to those businesses. And those businesses half bought other companies like mine at those value. At those Wait, so you said three to five x, but on the EBITDA, but three to five x of uh, so you could get up to thirty million dollars on the high end for the correct because there's not there's other things because some companies have sold for eight to ten x EBITDA, right? Got it. it just depends on how good your infrastructure is, how sure. long your leases are, right? It just depends on who your management is. Uh, your track record, the cities you're located Didn't in. You, when you started building the Airbnb, was it around the idea that, that I was, eventually want to exit it? That was the goal, right? Because at the end of the day, I, I don't know anyone who's sold a course business for that much. Maybe Alex Ramosi has. Alex Ramosi. He's one guy. Though, like, and, it's, and it was very specifically niche. And I don't know, maybe you can do that. But with this business, I feel like my home run is definitely building a business to 25 million, 30 million, 40, 50 I, million. I think, I think you have something epic and that you're 100% right. But I will tell you that... Um, I think Alex Ramosi, uh, uh, he was the four-minute mile for this industry by selling a company inside this. 
I'm a good friends with another company that they're in a portfolio with, and they are pretty close to starting to talks of exiting, and it's going to be around the nine-figure mark as well, over $100 million. And I also have another one of my clients who just exited his company for five times EBITDA for uh, almost $28 million. So I would just say that, you know, if you're talking about EBITDA, yeah. Obviously, your EBITDA on the course is course, so much higher, course, right? Course, than the, the, yeah. But you're you but can't. The problem is it's tied to me as the brand. Exactly, which you can eventually you remove yourself. So even even us at Scaling with Systems, I have very much uh, removed myself from. I'm not even involved. Like so, other than our highest level program, where I get on one onboarding call uh, every six months with our clients, I'm removed because I have a team of people that are honestly more talented than me at growing businesses. So in the very beginning, it's, it's, it's the content. That's the thing, right? But even we started, so we had the Roby Valla show and then I have my Roby Valla YouTube, which is what you saw the content on, which is awesome. But we also have a Scaling with Systems YouTube channel that we're starting and we're growing as well. So like, you know, just the same way you started and then you hired the VAs. And obviously you know what the future holds, but I'm just saying I wouldn't sleep on it too much because you could definitely oh, hire. Oh, for sure, 100%. Yeah, you could definitely I'm start still, hiring I mean, a team. Don't get me wrong. Right now that the business is running itself and doing its thing, yeah. I'm just going all in on content right now love it growing the you know the on education business as much as i possibly can because obviously the money is insane right now i would be an idiot not to do that sure but at the same time i'm not taking the airbnb business off the table because right now so i had a, a third-party brokerage at verma recently and it's a big conference for arbitrage companies in october i went there i talked to a uh, a third-party uh transactional brokerage and they were basically, you know, they handle um, M&As, merchant acquisitions, L uh, letter of intents and everything. I give them all my financials, every single thing I had on me, contracts, leases, negotiations. They told me your business is worth around $20 million right now. Just like off on the market right now, about $20 million. So I told them, I'm like, Arson, I don't want to sell it right now. I have no interest to because I literally just quit my 9 to 5 a year ago, right? I think I, in two years, I can get the number up to like 50 plus. So for sure, I'm going to keep working on the social media business, keep pumping out content, keep growing social media, keep making money that way. But I'm never gonna forget the Airbnb business. That at the end of the day is, you know, what's driving the, the social media stuff too, right? Yeah. So as I'm furnishing more properties, building out more units, building that business, and documenting everything, that's translating as well, right? So they're working hand to hand essentially. So you get the 50 million check. What? Do you, how do you spend the next 12 months, 18 months? What's the what, what would you do? <laughs> Honestly, I don't know, man. I've how told, old are you? 26. Okay. How old are you? 28. Okay. Yeah. I, I've told everybody this, like. Once you make 20K a month, honestly, my life really didn't change that yeah, it's, much. I, I 20K a month is the number for me. Mine's honestly. like 14 grand a month is my my condo, my plane, my car, like everything. I'm like, bro, I could be. I, 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 I don't I, even have any of that, dude. I just yeah. bought a Lamborghini like a month and a half ago. Nice. Uh, and I paid for it in all cash. You're officially, now you're selling courses. Now you're officially. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm one of the gurus now. <laughs> if I saw my own self running an ad, I'm not buying anything from this guy. <laughs> I love that so much. So uh, the thing, I bought it in all cash. Yeah. My only expense is literally in life right now. My lifetime membership, my cell phone plans, and that's pretty much it. My rent is like two grand a month, and that's all my expenses in life. I have no other expenses. Until I convince whatsoever. you to move down to Miami, then it's going to be a little bit more than that. I'll tell you that. I, I thought about it, dude, like, because I literally got off the plane because I was from Detroit uh, before. Yeah. Got off the plane, like, this weather is amazing. Dude, it's the best time here. <laughs> and I kind of, the last thing I want to talk about here is something I love to talk about whenever I have a guest who has this in their life. Uh, you said very subtly that you were married earlier, yeah, right? Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about the dynamic. Uh, you know, what does your wife do in relation to your business? Uh, does she help out at all? Does she do her own thing? Does she take care at home? Um, and like, how has that dynamic been as you've growing the businesses, as you become kind of more famous online? What does that look like? I had my wife helping with literally everything. We were furnishing the first property ourselves together. We we're staying up late night with drills and hammers, ordering pizza, building sofas, building uh, nightstands, doing everything literally together. And 
that was really, really fun for us. It was a good bonding time, good to know husband and wife, you know, like just getting to know each other time, right? We're newly married too. I only got married maybe, it was the third year of marriage now. And when we started the business, we were only a year in. So it was a really good experience. And then as we built the business and as we kept scaling it, obviously her involvement, you know, get pushed uh, further out and out. And mine did too, because we started hiring VAs, started delegating. But then my job really became to grow the business and her job essentially became to support me in growing the business. And when I say support, I mean like mentally support. So I'm like more like traditional old fashioned in a way where like I just like grind as much hard as I possibly can. And when I come home, I want to come home to like peace in my life, right? Not come home to any like arguments, not come home to any like issues, uh, you know, like food's ready made for me, like I'm ready to go, you know, I'm sleeping easy, uh, all my clothes are like, all my laundry is done, like everything's like taken care of for me, right? And then my wife, that's something that she loves to do is take care of me as my as the husband and for me to go out in the world and operate at 100%, right? Because a lot of times if you're married and, you know, you're coming to home to arguments, an unclean house, you know, there's there's nothing to eat at home and you're not operating at 100% energy levels and you're just getting arguments in 24-7 and you're just arguing 24-7, you can't operate at 100% in the business world, right? And to my wife, I'm like, I need to operate at 110% every single day. I can only do that, you know, if you basically help me with these things in my life. And that's something that she loves to do is just take care of me and just have me, you know, operating at 100%. And in return, I like, you know, giving her that lavish lifestyle, right? Like she, you know, was working, you know, at like a coffee shop, Tim Hortons, whatever, $11 an hour, all throughout high school, university. You know, her background is like very, you know, like, uh, you know, uh, at the lower end of the financial spectrum. So I just told her, like, you know, you support me in this journey, you support me in this life, and I will give you the life that you've always dreamed of, basically. And that's, you know, like what she's doing right now. She's literally at the YSL store right now, buying sunglasses, you know? Mm-hmm. So like all these vacations, you're for six weeks, driving a Lambo, like these are, this is the lifestyle you never would have dreamed of. And I told her from day one, just support me on this business. It might go to shit, it might go to zero, who knows, it is what it is. And she just stuck it out with me since day one. We had situations where like crazy situations when we first started the business, guests smoking in the units, doing uh, doing crack, just like the craziest things possible. When we first started in Philly, and me and her would literally be there at 7 a.m., just literally cleaning the apartments ourselves, on the floor, scrubbing bathrooms, just doing everything by ourselves. Literally, it, uh, our, like, our craziest point got uh, into uh, last September, my wife was pregnant in August and like all of us, I signed a huge lease for like 10, 15 apartments at one time. Uh, and like the two days, the day before the lease started, my wife wasn't feeling good. She was feeling, she wasn't feeling good at all. And she's like, I need to go to the hospital right now. I literally took her to the hospital and uh, the doctors are like, yeah, you're most likely gonna have a miscarriage, dude. And like at that point, like I'm very like calculated in my life for everything I've done, right? At this point when the doctor told me that, I don't know what to do. Like, I'm freaking out. I've never accounted for this, right? I'm very a calculated person. I think this, I had no idea what to do. And like she's crying, landlord's coming saying, hey, your lease is starting tomorrow morning. Uh, there's like $100,000 worth of furniture being delivered tomorrow morning. Uh, I have 10 laborers, like 15 guys are uh, gonna be waiting for me. And like the doctor's like, yeah, so we're gonna do what we can, but most likely it's gonna be a miscarriage. And I'm like, just sitting there in the waiting room, can't go in, it's during COVID. I sit outside in the car, literally downtown Detroit. There's like crack kids walking around my car, knocking on my door and shit. I'm like, what the hell is going on right now? I'm on no sleep. And like literally at like 4 a.m. I was like, yeah, dude, like, you know, it is what it is. You have the miscarriage. My wife's crying. We have nowhere to live, by the way. We just moved to Detroit like two days ago, but like we literally like had nowhere to live. So I, cause we were going to live in one of the apartments that we were furnishing. So I go check her into a hotel. I take a quick uh, espresso shot from the lobby, run down all the way to the building, coordinate with all the guys, 10, 15 guys, and tell them what to do for the next four hours, run the way back to the hotel, try to, you know, comfort my wife as much as I can, which was just happened in the last 24 hours. And then like, you know, after like a day or two of me just not sleeping and getting everything, you know, going where it needs to be going, then she felt a lot better, you know, and she was like a little bit over it. And then that was like a situation for me where it was just like intense, dude. And I've had like three or four of those over the last two years 
where it was like a make or break it type of situation. Where I'm like, listen, at the end of the day, you know, shit has to get done no matter what happens. No matter what happens in life, like these, the lease is the lease started, right? Every day is I'm burning, you know, eight hundred to thousand to fifteen hundred dollars, right, in burning costs. Like shit has to get done. So you know, she's just been very supportive with me on this business since day one. So we had a lot of memories together, just you know, working together and situations like that, where it's definitely helped us. You know, as husband and wife are closer to. Oh, I love that, dude. That's uh, unbelievable. And I mean, as you obviously know, it's those situations that like shape you into who you are today. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. We wouldn't trade them for anything. So. Uh, Hamza, awesome, awesome, awesome podcast, dude. It was really amazing having you on here. I learned quite a bit myself. Uh, I hope everybody else did as well. If people that are listening to this, they want to see some of the awesome content that you have online, maybe they were thinking about even starting their own Amazon, uh, I'm sorry, Amazon, Airbnb <laughs> uh, arbitrage business themselves as well, or they just want to like kind of get to know you or ask you some questions. What are the best places that people can kind of find you? Yeah, uh, you guys can find me on TikTok and Instagram at HamzaFarBNB. Uh, my YouTube is just Hamza Zafar. I just started actually spending more time on YouTube because I realized not a lot of people are doing YouTube because a lot more money in production, a lot more time, and less output. A TikTok could take me 10 minutes to make and get 100,000 views. A YouTube could take me three hours, $300, $400 in production costs, and get 50 views, yeah. right? And the thing is with YouTube, it's a long game, right? There's no immediate payout right now, but in about two, three years, I think it'll be worth it. So I'm spending a lot more time on YouTube now delivering more high value, uh, just higher quality information that you can't fit into a 60 second TikTok. Yeah, I love that. Jack and I were actually watching some of it today and really enjoyed it. So you guys definitely need to check that out. Hamza, it was also awesome having you here, man. I appreciate it. And for everybody else, we'll see you guys in the next episode.